Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. Now before we get into this, I just want to talk a little bit about the Something to Say platform that I run. Now some of you will know about that, but some of you will not. Now I got so much confidence through sharing my story that I wanted to create a platform for others to share their story if they wish to do so. That was two years ago and now we are building layer upon layer onto that platform. We have the new merchandise, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me wearing it. We have the new YouTube channel and we have a lot of variety variety on those social media accounts under something to say official now if you'd like to go to the website of something to say you can see that at something to say official.com and if you'd like to see my website and all the work that i'm doing in schools with this podcast and the video format that i have on youtube you can check out jeremyindica.com i am working so so hard behind the scenes on all of this work i have a great team of people behind me too anything is possible and i believe we can achieve it all. Thank you. Okay, so I've been sent an article recently about how pornography is affecting teenagers' brains. And I feel like we're in this really unusual situation when it comes to porn online. Because Everything else around us, which we have all agreed on, are not suitable for minors, so under 18s, we have put an age limit on. We put, uh, you have to verify your age to get that thing, and you have to be a certain age to get that thing, because we know, or we all agree again, on the fact that if you're under 18, and not considered as, or, or not of an age of an adult, then it's going to be harmful to you. So we have things like alcohol, cigarettes, and even films are classified in age restrictions. But pornography isn't. It's it's, it's so weird, isn't it? Like you, when a film comes out, it has to be age verified, right? So it has these certificates on them. And um, some films are, you have to be 18 or above to watch because they have sex, drugs, or violence in them, or explicit themes. So what's pornography? (laughs) But you can access pornography at any age that you want. And this article really struck me on how pornography is affecting teenagers' minds. So your 13-year-olds, your 14-year-olds, etc. It struck me because I think back to how I was at that age, and actually how pleased I am that this free access to unlimited pornography wasn't available in my day. Because any men that are watching this or listening to this are going to, I'm pretty confident to say, are going to agree with me in when I say that when you start changing into a young adult, when you start going through puberty, when your hormones start racing, like, your world changes dramatically. Like, you've got testosterone bursting out of you. You've got hormones, like, you are bursting at the seams. And I remember back in the day, so I was a teenager in the 90s, right? I was a teenager in the 90s. And I just remember, if you came across a magazine that someone managed to get hold of, it was, like, big news, If somebody in your friendship group had like a VHS tape of some level of porn, which wasn't even really 
It would be considered as like, it, you know what? It's basically, what we were getting hold of back in the day was basically like what music videos are today. You know, like explicit to that level, which is considered not even porn these days. But back in those days, it was like madness. If somebody in your group had a VHS tape, you were asking if you could get hold of that too. But now it's like, freely available right streams and streams of videos all sorts of categories and I think wow when I was let's say 12 and 13 when all this stuff started changing for me if I had access to that on my phone in my bedroom I would have just been watching hours upon hours of it like literally hours of it just exploring what's on there and the different categories and um getting down going down rabbit holes and it would have been like i I wanted to use the word like it would have just been like inhumane it would have been like it would have been like something i wouldn't have wanted my younger self to have gone through and i would have gone through it because it's absolutely um you know, pornography absolutely pulls you in. It's so tempting. It's so, um, it's so, uh, such a form of release, and it satisfies the desire, the one of the strongest desires that millions upon millions of years of evolution has programmed into us, which is that release, that sexual release. But now it's available freely and there are statistics going around talking about children as young as nine coming across pornography, conversations in playgrounds about have you seen this, have you seen that and then young people feeling like if they haven't seen it that they're left out so they go home and they search it. There's no verification, there's no need to verify your age on these websites, they're all, they're all free and you know even just for us adults it's like um, we know deep down, don't we, that watching pornography is not helping us. Um, uh, there's there's a debate to be had there, but you know maybe it can have it does have its benefits. Actually, I'm going to say it does have its benefits at times, but you know we're all going to agree. I'm very confident in saying that the overuse of it, uh, whatever whatever that actually means, but but the overuse of it, and I think we all know in our heart when we are overusing it, is not good for our brains, even as adults. Same with alcohol, same with cigarettes, same with too much partying, same with too much um, anything that's going to pollute the chemicals in our brain. Um, so just think about the 15-year-old, the young boy, 15 years old, hasn't even had sex yet, but he's watched... 2,000 hours of pornography, like, come on, (laughs) come on. So this article that's um, from The Guardian, so The Guardian, I I don't know if any news outlet is reputable these days, but The Guardian would be considered as um, one that is more reputable than others let's just let's just say that so i want to go through this article um i think it's going to be really interesting for us to see what they're saying i have um like kind of scanned through it and there's a couple of points that i want to make as as i re- read through it and i for those that are watching on youtube I'll, I'll show the video sorry i'll show the article on the screen but uh, for those that are listening on your podcast app it's going to be fine because um 
you don't you don't actually need to see it visually um, t- to follow along. Now the headline for the type uh, for the article is pornography driving UK teens towards child abuse material, says experts. I don't think that's the correct headline for this article. And child abuse material is now the terminology used for illegal videos online, illegal pornography videos online. And we don't use the word pornography anymore because porn or pornography is considered as the participants or the actors in that video are giving consent to be videoed and shown. But if it's a minor in a video, then you can't do that because you're not of an age to do that. But actually, the the, the article doesn't really go too much... Well, only parts of it reflect on this child abuse material and UK teens being going down rabbit holes and ending up on that, which is a, which is a real, um, real danger, you know. Um, you know how we all use our platforms, like... These pornography platforms, they work the same as your social media platform, right? Let's say that you open up Pornhub because that's what you want to do, right? And you click around a little bit, you see what you fancy, that time you're watching it and see what you want to get off on and you never really click on anal videos, right? But one comes up, the thumbnail is extremely attention grabbing so you click on it and you know you're in a state of arousal and that seems exciting so you start to click on more anal videos and you go down that rabbit hole and then you finish your masturbation session on an anal video that is all recorded by the algorithm the next time you then open up Pornhub your homepage is going to have sporadical anal videos all over it because Pornhub wants to excite you again. It saw that you were watching that last time and it wants to keep you on the platform again and they know that that's one way that they can do it because essentially what they want to do is they want to sell you stuff, sell you adverts and sell their advertising space. That's how they all make money. But you can see how dangerous this can become because then the next time something else props up and it's exciting, it's a new thing and we always... um, it's studies have shown that you're always looking for the next thrill and then you go down that rabbit hole and you go down a rabbit hole much like you would go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and we all know about that right you go on YouTube you think I'm just gonna spend a little bit time on YouTube one hour later you are watching something about something that you didn't even know you were interested in nothing illegal Nothing illegal, that's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm just trying to talk about that rabbit hole, how crazy it is, and we've all experienced it before. So this is saying that, like, you know, pornography isn't any different, the way those algorithms and those homepages and the way that it sets it up for your viewing experience works. And if you're not careful, you could start clicking on stuff that is starts to tend towards the immoral side of things. You start to click on things that actually are so dangerous that they could be considered illegal. Then all of a sudden, you've clicked on a website that you didn't even know what it truly was, and you're watching illegal stuff. And then if you get caught, you're going to prison. Now, you again think about that 15-year-old, that 13-year-old, who hasn't got the maturity to think about any of these things, and they're all of a sudden in a danger, right? 
but not only a danger in the sense of going against the law, in a danger of how is this programming their brain as they go to more extreme pornography videos, how how is it, is it, this is the question, is it determining or grooming them into liking things that if they never saw that video in the first place, they would have never liked. Is pornography actually manipulating your brain into liking things that actually you're not really that interested in, but it's programmed you because it's so exciting and so dangerous and so thrilling that you watch more and more of it and then all of a sudden you're hooked? Interesting, interesting. Okay, let's get let's get into this article. Right, so I'm just scrolling down now. It says, exclusive, police and charities warn of rise in harmful sexual behaviour amongst young people. So that's everything we've just talked about. Next paragraph. Child abuse experts and police are warning that access to increasingly extreme pornography is driving a rise in harmful sexual behaviour among young people, from sexting to watching online child abuse. I just think if even if we take that phrase child abuse out of that paragraph, I think we can probably all agree that a young person that's continually watching more and more extreme pornography, and we're all adults, right? And we're not angels either. We watch pornography. A lot of us do watch pornography. And trust me, I I want to live a life where I don't watch it. Let me just talk about this. I want to watch a life where I don't watch it, but sometimes it pulls me in. I'm a human being, man. You know, sometimes it does pull me in. And so we all know about it. We all know about how it works. We all know about the extreme thrill it can give our brains. And the more I speak to people in my circles, my friends and things like that, and just, you know, the discussions in general, we all know too, I'm speaking for men here, how many of us, once we have finished watching that porn, we shut that laptop immediately and we feel a level of shame? Like, it's so weird. Like, um, what 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 have I heard it called? I've, I've heard it called, like, post-wank shame. I've actually heard it called post-wank shame, but I've also heard it called post-nut clarity, where, like, once you finish watching that, you're like, I don't ever want to do that again. Like, it's so unusual that that's there. Um, and... We can see how every time you go on, you're looking for the next thing. And that extreme pornography, like where it starts to get aggressive, forceful, extremely dominant, um, extremely abusive, and that's what the category is about. You can see how we don't want young teenagers getting into that. And we don't want young teenagers who start watching that at 12 years old and by the time they're 19 years old they've been watching it for seven years imagine how many offenders if we could check their real history have been influenced to offend off the back of years of pornography i also heard like on a podcast that somebody was recording i heard um someone say I do not want my son marinated in years of pornography watching before he's even had sex for the first time. Like, that just screams danger to us, right? 
So one next next paragraph of the article. One charity that works to prevent child sexual abuse said that there has been 30% increase in under 18s contacting them and a 26% rise in adults contacting them because they were concerned about behaviour of a young person. You know, something I've thought about a lot recently is the whole situation situation about vaping. So we have seen a, like exponential rise in people vaping and how crazily addictive it is and how crazily suitable it is for young people any parents that are out there that have got teenage children this must feel so such a worry for you like every kid vapes every kid vapes and it's been a couple of years since us adults have known that this is a big problem those products are quite clearly also aimed at young people with um, with flavours like sherbet and strawberry and vanilla and banana, etc. And young people are hooked to it. And it's only now I heard in the UK in December or, or in the new year, the government are banning disposable vapes because they know that it's such a problem, not only for the kids, but also the fact that they're just disposable. And I heard that there's like 2 million of them being disposed of every day. Um, and they've all got a battery in them. So uh, it's terrible for the environment. But also the kids are hooked and the government now want to stop that. But the reason why I'm talking about this is because as I observe that, over the years where that came and and is now going to eventually go in some form, it's like, we were so late to that. You know, kids have been vaping for like two, three years. As soon as you stop the vapes, what are they going to do? Pack a, pick up a pack of cigarettes, most probably. But the problem is like, the problem is, it has been around and, and were we slow to act? And, and is this the same with this pornography that's um, freely available for any age group. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Okay, let's say pornography is entertainment. It is up to the user to monitor how they're using it, much like alcohol, right? But we're not going to make it illegal because you'll create a black market for it, for starters, and put lots of money in criminals' hands because it will still run, much like alcohol, if we made it illegal, I believe. So it's all about education and drinking responsibility, dr drinking responsible, resp drinking in a responsible manner. Porn could be the same. We have education around it, and we say to over eighteens, consume in a responsible manner. But for the under eighteens, um, it should be illegal, and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Next paragraph on the article. Rachel Haynes, a senior practitioner at the charity the Lucy Faithful Foundation, said that since lockdown their Stop It Now helpline, originally designed for adults, has been called by more teenagers. That's not what they were expecting. And I know that because I've had the one of the directors of the Lucy Faithful Foundation, which are a phenomenal charity. They are doing phenomenal work, by the way. I had them onto my YouTube channel before I was releasing the audio version of this podcast um, and, and before I actually called it a podcast. So if you're interested in that interview, if you go to my YouTube channel, I've done one of the Indica, and you type in interview, this charity runs a service for people to come forward and get support. You're going to 
catch that interview. I'm going to bring them on to this podcast again to talk about the latest things that they're doing. They're getting a lot of traction now, even though there is this resistance to working with offenders, working with paedophiles, working with sex offenders. There is this massive resistance in our society to do that, to work with them, to monitor them, to support them, to put any time into them. But then when it comes to the young teenagers, what are we going to do? Put them in prison for their whole life um, for an offence? Impossible, for many reasons. And so we need to uh, do something there so that they never reoffend again or they don't start going down this road of life where it's constant offences and creating more victims, just creating more victims. So this charity are doing lots. They've got this anonymous phone line where people can call if they're worried about what they are watching online, whether that be illegal or legal. Now, the fact that teenagers are calling this helpline, I mean, that fills me with optimism that people are actually okay to sit there and be like, I've got a problem. I can't get off this pornography, I keep watching it, and actually what I'm starting to watch is starting to look more abusive and extreme and hugely dominant, and I don't like the way my brain is behaving around it. Thank you. Thank you to the charity, and thank you to those people that called the phone line. With the adults that are calling the phone line, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that 40-year-old that's calling the phone line because he's worried that the teen category that he's watching, which is actors being 18 to 19 years old on the video, behaving like 18 to 19-year-olds. If a 40-year-old is watching that, an 18-year-old looks like a child to them, right? But it's illegal. It's legal. So is that okay? Or should somebody be calling the helpline for that? Because... They're worried that that could spiral out of control because the age that they're, if they're finding that teen category attractive, does that mean that they're going to start wanting to look at younger and younger ages? If that's a concern for somebody, at least they've got somewhere to go with this phone line. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure that the director of this charity said to me that in their opening year of... Um, this anonymous phone line, they received 7,000 calls from men who were worried about what they were watching online. Now, you think about that. That is crazy. This is a UK charity. And if you think about those 7,000 men that called, how many didn't make the call? You could probably say 10 times as many didn't make the call. I would be confident to say for every 10 people that know they've got a problem with what they're watching online, legal or illegal, they don't like their behaviour with the with pornography. For every 10 people, one, one person makes the call. I think I could be confident in saying that. So it all gets a bit real. That's what I'm saying. It all gets a bit real when we start thinking about the effects of pornography on a minor's brain. Next paragraph. As a service, we have seen an increase in under-18s contacting us for support, she said. We particularly begin to see it when we launched a chat service for adults during lockdown. As a result, they have launched a groundbreaking website in the UK aimed at helping teenagers who are worried about their own sexual thoughts or behaviour. Sexual thoughts that are dangerous. 
Are we ever going to be in a situation where we encourage people, we support people to come forward with sexual thoughts that are dangerous? Again, I feel like we have this thing where we have a difference of opinion depending on how old the person that has dangerous sexual thoughts is. Because if you've got a 15-year-old that is having sexual thoughts that are dangerous and they came forward, we would say, well done. Well done for doing that. Well done for identifying you have an issue in your mind, you haven't committed any offence, but you feel like you may in the future or this is getting out of hand for you. If a 15-year-old did that, we'd be like, good on you. Well done for that. But if a 50-year-old or a 40-year-old comes forward, he's a father of two, works in a usual job, usual family man, but he's got dangerous sexual thoughts in his head too, all of a sudden we don't really like him. And we actually want nothing to do with him, especially if we were to find out what those dangerous thoughts were. Have we got that wrong? Are we, is our difference in approach or thoughts depending on the age of the person that's come forward not helping? I'm not sure. But the fact that teenagers are coming forward Teenagers are assessing themselves and have that maturity to do so and are coming forward is, is, is a great thing. But the source of the problem is the tragedy that these young teenagers who can't ac access alcohol, who can't access cigarettes, who can't access certain films, can ac access unlimited porn of all categories. Like if you are not a porn watcher, just go on there and check this out right? Just go on there and type in extreme sex, T type in rough sex, go into a category like anal and see how that is being um, um, communicated. Go into a category like gangbang and see how that is being communicated. And look, I am not saying if these are your preferred sexual activities, if you get a thrill from them, if they're your fetishes, if they're like what your go-to is, like, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to shoot you down. Anal is a very interesting one because if anal, which many people, many people enjoy, good on you. You found, you know, there's another area of your sex life that you can explore and express yourself through. Phenomenal. If you are over 18, that's great. We are now just talking about under 18s being exposed to that type of thing. And seeing the extreme sides of those categories and possibly thinking that that's something that they want to do because it looks great. They start watching it and all of a sudden their mind, the sexual neurons in their brain start firing and that starts programming them to like that. And then they start going down a rabbit hole and then they start wanting it in real life and then when they start hooking up with people for the first time they think that that's what they want to do no conversations around those extreme activities with the person that they're hooking up with for the first time but on the flip side of that let me let me say this are the girls and we are generalizing here with the with the genders right but are the girls seeing that all the boys are watching this type of thing or are the girls watching it too and thinking that this is what's accepted of them. 
that extreme gagging blowjob is what's expected of them when they give a blowjob to a boy, even if they like that or not. Oh my goodness, I'm using the wrong phrases here, aren't I? I'm not actually using the wrong phrases, I'm using the real phrases, but my God, YouTube are going to read this. These podcast apps like Spotify are going to read the words I'm using and they are going to not spread this 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 video, are they? They are not going to spread this podcast because of the nature of what I'm talking about. This is one of my massive frustrations here because I'm quite clearly trying to unpack these conversations so we can move forward with a better conversation to protect young minds. But because I'm talking about these different categories and I'm using the words because why shouldn't we use the words? They're there. And the algorithms, the sophisticated computer systems behind all of these platforms will read every word that I'm saying because that's what they do. They need to read every word that I'm saying because then they can understand what the podcast is about and it can send it to the people that would be interested about it. But as soon as you start talking about sex, it wants nothing to do with that. Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, they want nothing to do with this conversation. So I am constantly on the back foot, as I talked about in my last podcast. I am constantly on the back foot. So if you're finding this interesting, if you're finding this of value, please do send it to someone that you know um, and say, check this out. Please do share it on your social media because really that's the only way that I'm getting this work out to people. So thank you. Okay, next paragraph. The site is called Shore. This is the Lucy Faithful Foundation's new, new website. And it is the first of its kind in Europe and one of the only three in the world. It has a chat and email service for teenagers aged 13 to 18 who can get in touch anonymously. I think that anonymous function is actually really useful because there's almost a shame to the... Well, there is. There is a shame to all of this. People feel shameful about admitting to something negative about themselves in particular when it comes to sex. So that anonymous um, um, feature is going to encourage more people to come forward. I think that the tricky part, the complex part, is when you start thinking about adults, so over 18. So let's say somebody wants to call this phone line and say that they have watched something illegal. They have watched um, minors in sexual activity and they're getting a thrill out of it and they want help. Should they be allowed to call anonymously because they've committed a crime? So is it almost like we want to have this phone line as anonymous, but really as soon as they call, we want to be able to track them and report them? It's almost like a grey area, isn't it? Uh, because what do we do? Do we remove the anonymous feature for adults, but then they're never going to call? <laughs> Who's going to call then? Who's going to call and say, yeah, actually, I've committed a crime here. I've watched something illegal. I get a thrill out of children and um, I need help. Because then we have a duty to report that person. It's so complex and I'm so pleased that this charity, and again, check them out. I'll put their website in the description. I'm so pleased this charity is going out there and getting some success, essentially in the prevention of, of this crime from from people committing this crime. Okay, let's go for it. Let's continue. Next one. One of the most alarming developments for the charity and for police has been the rise in minors watching and sharing illegal child abuse material. 
Since 2020, about two-thirds of young people who contacted the helpline have spoken about indecent images of children. At present, half of the young callers will already be known to the police, but the charity wants to move earlier to earlier intervention. Oh my God. The numbers just start to become scary. But real, we have such a situation on our hands. This is an emergency. You know, when we talk about teenagers looking at child abuse material, looking at child pornography, I know that's not the right term, but let me just use it because it explains it for some people. Looking at videos and images of children and young teenagers and minors doing sexual things and they're getting a thrill out of it. If that isn't an emergency, if that isn't blood on our hands, because we are not talking about this enough, we are not doing enough to prevent this from happening in the first place, then I don't know what is. It talked here about two-thirds of young people contacting the helpline spoken about indecent images of children so we know it to be a fact already and it also says this is one what hang on one second let me just get the words it's the first in its kind in europe one of only three in the world when you think about how many millions of people are watching porn every day how many millions of people are watching illegal stuff every day and we've got three features or, or, or facilities for people to come forward in the world crazy that's crazy to me that's honestly crazy to me Haynes said a large proportion of young people we work with have downloaded child sexual abuse material the pathways they reach that buy are complex porn is a contributing factor Teenagers become desensitized to what they are seeing. Sometimes they have been groomed by adults or have been sent illegal images during sexualized chats online. Okay, so that adds a little complexity there because maybe it's not always that young te teenager who's sourcing that material. Maybe it's not always that young teenager who has started watching porn, one thing's led to another, they've gone down a rabbit hole and they've ended up watching this material. Maybe it is them being groomed by adults to watch the material. Maybe it is the fact that they're being sent it by adults that they're chatting to online and now they're watching it and now they're worried because they've watched something that's illegal and they may be considered as a criminal. It's so complex. Teenagers' lives are so complex. They're so vulnerable, but they're so open to exploitation as well. And the online spaces, surely the online spaces has has grown that opportunity for adults who want to exploit children to exploit children. And that's why I'm so glad that this helpline has a feature for adults and teenagers. In fact, I think they're open to um to, to receive calls from adults and teenagers. DCI Tony Garner leads a specialist online child sexual abuse team at West Mercia Police. He said, quite often when we go through a door following intelligence on someone watching or sharing child sexual abuse, we find a teenager. There is a crisis here and it's beginning to be driven by young people who have access to very extreme pornography that is changing their brains. So if you're a parent out there and you're listening to this, I wonder what you feel about your son 
we, we again we're just going to generalize with uh, gender here because i feel that just for the conversation that's useful how you feel about your son watching pornography you're okay with that you're not okay with that you're okay with that at a certain age i wonder what that age would be you're okay with them watching it at 13 or you want them to wait until they're 18. You want them to wait until they've actually had sex first before they watch it in an ideal world or it's just a no, you don't want your son to watch that. I wonder if you have a child who's a prepubescent age, um, let's say six, eight, nine years old. When you look at them, how do you feel about them growing up into an age where they go through puberty and start to become interested or curious about pornography online? Are you going to have a conversation with them about all of this? You're going to talk to them about pornography before they actually find it themselves? Um, do you think that's important or do you think that you should just kind of allow that to happen and see how it goes? Final question, do you think that the long-term watching of pornography is damaging for someone's brain or it's a little bit like if you watch... The Fast and Furious film, it doesn't mean that you're going to go out in your car and drive it recklessly. Does it mean that if you play Call of Duty on um, your console, it doesn't mean you're going to pick up a gun and go and try and get headshots off people? Like, is there, are we taking this, are we thinking about this too, too wrong? Are we, are we, are we, are we, are we wrong in our approach here? Is this link between watching extreme pornography and then wanting to go out and do it to someone um, just a bit unrealistic? Or is just watching pornography quite a um, uh, natural, almost innocent uh, thing to do because it satisfies something that's deep inside of you? Again, I say it, millions of years of evolution. And actually, it's unrealistic to think that everybody that watches extreme porn is going to go and rape someone for example. Or maybe it's just a massive spectrum. The whole thing is a massive spectrum. Okay, the final paragraphs. I think it's very important and much needed project. Haynes hopes that Sure, this new website from Lucy Faithful Foundation, will change the lack of opportunity for talking about online harm. There is a stigma. Young people don't have spaces where they feel they can talk openly. Often when we speak to them, it's the first time they've spoken to anyone about it. Okay. It goes without saying that this service is necessary. It's absolutely essential for these young people and adults who are worried about what they're watching online to have somewhere where they can go and get guidance and advice and some kind of direction. Because if we don't do that, with the adults as well, right? With the adults as well, if we don't do that, all we're doing is leaving them on their own and we are just sitting there with our fingers crossed hoping that they never come to a situation where they offend in real life. But if they're watching child abuse material, that is an offence in itself because they're creating a demand for that type of material to be created. And there is millions upon millions of videos and images of children being sexually abused or children in sexual activity that have been recorded to serve someone's fantasy it's like this massive industry online on on the dark web but also 
in many other areas of the internet. We know about this. We know about this. We must make a change. We must start talking about this. We must face up to the reality of what we've got on our hands when it comes to sex and the way our brains think about it and the way our brains are manipulated within sex when it comes to pornography or in real life. Because if we don't start talking to these teenagers, if we don't start talking to these adults that are on the wrong road and spiralling out of control, then we start, stand no chance of actually preventing this crime before it happens. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. We are making moves forward, evolving with every podcast episode. Go check them all out. They're really, really interesting. Thank you again for supporting me in this work. It is troubled at times, but I'm pushing forward because what else can we do? Our main goal and our main mission is to protect young people in this world. And that's what we're going for. Thank you. Okay, so I wonder what you thought about all of that. At the very least, I hope that it gave you some food for thought because as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I believe this pornography situation that we've got on our hands is something that is just passing us by and we haven't looked at deeply enough, in particular when it comes to young teenagers. Now, if you valued this podcast, please do share it around your friendship group, around your colleagues and get this word out there. Just again, to at least get this subject on people's tables that are not thinking about it because I believe that is very important. As always, I have two websites ongoing, jeremyindica.com, somethingtosayofficial.com. The content is evolving, the quality is improving and we can do anything that we set our mind to. I truly believe it. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I appreciate it. Let's keep moving forward.